Well, good morning, church. I was just considering the state of the world today. Kind of crazy, isn't it? You know, last couple of years with COVID and with the turning of our culture, it's often uh, a difficult time for us as believers when we see just the, 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 the world turning more and more against Christ. Besides that, though, there are some of us who are going through a dry spot with the Lord. You know, I have talked to people over the years, and some have told me that they don't ever feel really a distance between them and the Lord. But that's not my experience. I mean, there are times that, you know, we're going through the motions, we're, we're coming to church, we're, we're engaging with the saints, we are even praying in our homes, and we're engaging with our families, and, and yet, we're praying for some specific things, whether it be our country or personal trials that we're going through, and, and we, we think, where are you? Where are you, Lord? I, I, I don't feel your presence. Brothers and sisters, if, if that is the way you have felt or that's the way you do feel right now, guess what? You're in good company. That's the lament of David here in Psalm chapter 13. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 13. Because this, is a, this psalm is a, a psalm of lament where David is crying out to the Lord that, where are you? I've been praying for this. I've been, I've been seeking you. But, but David doesn't stay there. He, he does continue to pray, but he remembers God's steadfast love. And, and my hope and prayer is that as we look at this psalm this morning, that we would be encouraged not that our situation or our trials would change, not that, that God would answer our prayers for this nation even today, but that we would be encouraged to trust Him and His sovereignty in the midst of a, a world that, that we're told that in this life you have tribulation, but Jesus says, take heed, I've overcome this life. So let's read Psalm 13 together. This is the word of the Lord. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and Lord, this... This psalm is a, is a psalm that describes the, the condition of our hearts. Lord, it's a, a psalm that 
that teaches us that even in the, our darkest days, you are still there and that we can cry out to you and that we can remember and trust in your steadfast love. That, that our hearts can rejoice in your salvation. That we can sing to the Lord because you have dealt bountifully with us. Lord, we thank you for your grace over and over again. We thank you for your word that teaches us. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the things that I hate, and it seems to be happening more and more as I'm growing older, is that I can't remember. Sometimes I can't remember, you know, there'll be something like somebody's name on the tip of your tongue, and you're like, I know that name, but it just won't come to you. Or there, there may be a time that, you know, you, you just can't seem to find your, your keys. Where, where did I put my keys? And you go through that despair, like, you know, you're, you're looking around the house and, and you can't find them. Or, or one of the things is sometimes I, I think I can't find my glasses, but they're on. Recently, recently I received a gift at Christmas last year, an Apple Watch from, from my family, from my kids, from my daughter-in-law and my son-in-law, and it was a, I mean, it's a wonderful gift, and, but recently I, I lost it, and I couldn't find it, and I, I couldn't remember what I did with it, and, and you know that feeling like you're tearing the car apart, and you're, you're looking under the seats, and, 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 and then, Lord, I should pray. I should pray that, that you help me find my watch. And then what do you do? You go back out to the car and you look again and you look in the couches and you look under the couches. Two weeks, nothing. I could not remember. I remember the last place I had it, but I could not remember what I did with it. And, and honestly, I, you know, I, thought it was, I thought it was gone forever. You know, two weeks has gone by it. And you might be asking, how does this connect with Psalm 13? Well, sometimes we forget that God is there. You know, sometimes we feel that, that God is not there, and we, and we cry out to Him, and, 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 and we can't find Him. And, you know, I've had times in my life that, that God seems very distant. And sometimes I know that this, this may be caused by my, my lack of faith and sin, but other times... Other times, I just don't know why it is that God feels distant. He just seems far away, and, and you, you know the experience that you pray, and, and God doesn't answer you, and, and you read His Word, and it just it seems dry and, and doesn't speak to you. And it seems as if God is just far off. And when that happens, you're, as I said earlier, you're in good company because David was what? A man after God's own heart. That's what the Bible calls him, and... and and he has experienced, and we see this in, in Psalm 13, out of the depths of his heart, David says four times, how long? How long, Lord, will you, until you answer me? Where are you? Why can't I find you? Now, in spite of, of we can assume David's repeated prayers, for David, God seems distant. And so many... So many times I think when we come to church, we think, you know, this is going to place and this is going to be a place that I'm, I'm lifted up and I, I rejoice. And sometimes we sing songs that are very joyful and we should because we know God is good. But other times 
when we come to church. We, we should sing things that are songs of lament or songs of, of sadness because that's the reality of the life that we live at times. And God doesn't shy away from that in His Word. I mean, you look at God's Word it, over and over again. We have these, these psalms of lament and, and, and we see that, that, that God knows this and so he puts these things in his word so that we might understand him. Remember that we have a high priest who can, who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Now, Psalm 10 verse 1 says this, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 42, 9, I say to God my rock. Listen, I say to God my rock. Why have you forgotten me? Isn't that the way we are sometimes? I, I, I cry out to God one second. I, you're my rock. God, why have, you, why have you forgotten me? Why do you go on mourning because of the oppression of, of the enemy? Or then a, a familiar psalm, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry by day but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. The heart cry of, of David in that psalm, we know, was, was echoed by our Savior Jesus on the, on the cross. My, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As I said, that's because Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses. But I want you to take courage these things are in the Bible because life is like that. Life is like that. God's Word is in, in, intended to speak to us in, in all areas of life, not just parts of it. I asked the worship team to sing the song that we sang earlier, He Will Hold Me Fast. The reason I asked them to sing that because that is, that is my cry. Because there's so many times I feel that I could easily depart that I could easily give into sin, that through life's pain and anguish, I can't keep my hold because my love is often cold. That's, that's my heart at times. And because that's my heart, I, I want to sing that truth, those truths, because I need Him to hold me fast. He must hold me fast. And have you, ever, have you ever been there? I think we all have at some point. You know, you, you call to God and with all your heart, but he seems to have simply slipped out of the room. God, where are you? But Psalm 13 tells us what we must do when we have these, these times. And it's, it's really broken down into three parts, verses 1 and 2, 3 and 4, and 5 and 6. And these three parts, I've, I've broken into three points. David's trouble with the Lord, David's turn to the Lord, and David's trust in the Lord. Now, when my wife called me just a few weeks ago after I had been missing my watch for two weeks, she called me and said, I found it. Where? Where did you find it? I found it on the grass right by the tr pine tree in, your, in the front yard. Two weeks, the Apple Watch. We had mowed the lawn. 
Nothing wrong with it. And I got home that day, and I had to know, show me. Show me where you found it. Because I had, I had checked the lawn. I had looked in the lawn. And so she takes me outside to, to show me where she found it, and, and there was a neighbor who was walking her dog. And so we walked out there, and we know this neighbor, and, and we told this neighbor, oh, my wife is showing me where she found my watch that I lost two weeks ago. And the neighbor says, well, I found your watch, and I set it on the wall over there. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how did it get from the wall to <laughs> by the tree? Dennis? <laughs> Squirrels. <laughs> I don't know how it got there, but it did. And my, my thought was this, why didn't she just knock on my door and give it to me? Because God wanted me to trust him and to pray and to see if he would answer. That's why. Now, now at those times when it seems that things are not going our way and that maybe God is has turned his back, we, we must deliberately trust the fact that he loves us with an unfailing love and that he will never forsake us, even though that it may seem that way for a while. So let's go ahead and look at this psalm. Our first point is this, David's trouble with the Lord. David's trouble with the Lord, verse 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? What David is doing here is he's, he's contrasting the fact that his, his enemies are before him, but God is nowhere to be found in his view. Seems like God has abandoned him. Seems like God has forgotten him. Seems like God has, has hidden himself from him. And we were talking about this passage, and just to let you know, usually two weeks before each one of us preaches, the, the elders uh, in our elder meeting, we discuss the passage, and we, we talk about it so that we're, we're on the same page, and we know. And, but in, during this elder meeting, one of the things that was said, I think it was Pastor Kevin, he's, he says that we live in a toddler nation. <laughs> a toddler nation. I want it now. I want it now. But I was thinking about that as, as I was studying. We're a toddler people, aren't we? <laughs> no, I, I, I want it now. And I've been blessed this, this last year with two grandchildren. And it's amazing to see them when they are hungry, how they want it now. But we're like that, aren't we? We don't want to wait. You know, waiting is especially hard when... When you have so much time in your hands, isn't it when, when you're going on that vacation with your kids and, and the whole way there, are we, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I remember as a young boy, uh, my mom was taking me and my brother up to Morro Bay to see Morro Rock. And this just stands out in my mind because it was such a, a shock to me when we got there. Because we were driving up the coast and, and of course, as a young boy, I... I I want to get there. I don't like to drive, for one thing. So I keep on saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And I would look out into the ocean, and I'd see these, these rocks coming out, and, and some of them were bigger, and some of them, and I thought, is that it? 
Is that it? My mom, I guess remember my mom, no, it's not it. <laughs> You'll know when it's it. <laughs> no, and we get there and we see this huge rock <laughs> coming out of the sea and it was such a shock. No, we want to get there and we want to get there now and sometimes we don't want to go through the trials that we're going through and we know that David had a lot of time on his hands. And we don't know exactly what trial David is referring to here. We know that David had different trials. We don't know, know if it's an illness. I'm ten, I tend to believe that this is probably either written after, but regarding his time in the, in the wilderness as Saul was pursuing him. You know, during that time, David had a lot, of, a lot of time on his hands, and he was out in a cave in, in the wilderness, and all he had was his men with him. And all they had to do is they, they had to gather their daily provisions and, and keep watch. It was, just, it was day in and day out, hour after hour, weeks and months, that David is out there waiting for God to act. And sometimes it seems as if God moves so slowly and we, we want him to hurry, yet he, he just says, wait. I mean, today we have, we have drive-through food, we have drive-through uh, coffee, Today, you don't even have to cook dinner. You just pick up the phone or get on your phone and Uber Eats delivers your food. No, we don't have to wait anymore for anything. But God sometimes wants us to wait. One, one pastor back in the 1800s, he wrote the Christmas Carol, A Little Town of Bethlehem. It says of him that he was normally a, a calm man, but one day he was, he was clearly agitated and he paced, it says, he paced the floor like a, a caged lion. A friend asked him, what's the trouble? Brooks replied, the trouble is, I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. Isn't that the way we feel? I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. No, we notice that God's schedule is not our schedule. We think of things in terms of minutes and hours and days, but God works in terms of, of years. Remember the story of Joseph? Now God, God had a desire to, to place Joseph in Egypt in second in command of Pharaoh. But how did he do it? Had him sold into slavery as a teenager. He was hauled off into Egypt. He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and, and thrown into prison. A long time went by, and I think we could imagine that, that Joseph was, was praying, that he was seeking God, and, and God was, was not answering. And, and finally, we know the story that an opportunity came for him to, to, to interpret the, the dreams of, of the cupbearer and the baker. And the cupbearer and the baker are there, and to the cupbearer, he he tells him that, you know, you're going to be released from prison. You're going to be restored to your job. And, and Joseph said to the cupbearer in, in Genesis chapter 40, verse 14, he says, Only re remember me when it is well with you. And please do, do me the, the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. And so get me out of this house. You know, a few verses later it says, Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Oops. Did, did that catch God off, off guard? No. 
the very next verse says, after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed. Two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed. What an answer to that. But we, we can't go a couple of weeks without God answering, answering my prayers. Now, two years, and I mean, I think back about my life just over the last two years, you know, adding a, a son-in-law and, and a daughter-in-law and, and grandchildren and a third one on the way, and it's exciting, but go back two years in your life and just think about it. What, what's happened? Can you imagine being Joseph in, in prison for, for two years? No, it's, it's difficult, and that's, that's what David was going through. That's what David was going through. He had been anointed king as, by Samuel when he was probably 15 years old. He was anointed king by, by Samuel, but, but Saul was pursuing him. And David says this, that, that Saul was pursuing him like a partridge in the mountains. David is fleeing. He's, he's fleeing to cave after cave, and he, and he knows that, that Saul is after him. And it, at this point, he's probably in his late 20s. So this had been going on for years. David could easily say, where are you, God? You anointed me as king. Why am I not king yet? Well, because Saul is still king. Had he forgotten David? Perhaps you and I can, we can relate. When God seems distant, it really, what it does is it, it affects our emotions. It, it affects everything that we, we think and know and we question and we wonder. Look at verse 2. He says, how long? Must I take counsel in my soul? What he's saying is, I'm alone, Lord. There's nobody else I can talk to anymore. You know, you're not, you're not answering me. I, I, I need to talk to myself. I need to talk to my own soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day. It's, this is weighing on David. You know, David has gone from, from hope to despair so many times, and we see this happening, and Verse 2, he says, how long shall my enemy be, be exalted over me? Saul was still king. He was enjoying the, the comforts of, of the palace while David was sleeping in, in caves. And what made it worse is we know that, that Saul was rejected as king by God. He was the bad guy, and he wasn't, he wasn't seeking the Lord, but David was. And, and, and Saul was trying to kill David without cause, even though David had spared Saul's life. Didn't God know what was happening? Couldn't he, couldn't he do something about it? Had he forgotten about David? And we can all relate to that. And, and there may be some here that, that you may think, you know what, it, it really hasn't happened to me. I don't, I don't feel that way, Jeff. I don't feel that I've gone through uh, dark spells or, or, or dry spells. I haven't really gone through any major trials. That may be for some of you who are young. But Charles Spurgeon, and this was a, a quote from, from Phil Johnson. He said this, Charles Spurgeon, if, if you have never had occasion to express the feelings that David gives vent here, you will do so before long. If you haven't felt this way, you will do so before long. It will happen. You know, you're, maybe you've been in an 
an extended trial and you call out to God and he doesn't answer. And you try to figure out uh, the things on your own and you try to fix your circumstances, but nothing seems to work. And you end up in despair and you can't take it anymore. And yet you look out at those who are prevailing and they're wicked. I mean, isn't that the way we kind of feel about our culture today? The, the wicked prevail? It's sad. That's just the way, the way we feel at times. We feel like God is, where are you, God? The wicked are prevailing. And, and we know that God is sovereign and, and, and righteous and true and that, that He will be victorious. But it's hard during this, this time of, of waiting until He does. So the question, has God forgotten us? Has God forgotten you in the trial that you're going through? Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 49, verse 14 and 15. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. But God answers and he says, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. I will not forget you. If you're a child of God, God will not forget you. He has promised to, to never leave us nor forsake us. And it may seem at times that, that maybe David had been forgotten or Joseph had, had been forgotten during these unpleasant circumstances for years during which it seemed that, that God had forgotten them. But do you know what was happening during that, those times that Joseph was in prison and David was waiting? God was building in them character. He was preparing Joseph to be second to Pharaoh. And he was preparing David to be, to be king. Was David ready to be king at 15? I don't think so. God didn't think so. You know, and for us, there, there's a, a time in our lives that we feel that, that we don't grow, isn't it? That we don't grow as fast as we want to grow as Christians. I don't feel the growth that I, that I, that I want to grow, and, and we want instant godliness. And one of the things I've learned since I've been a Christian is that I long for heaven because I know there, for sure, I'll be holy that God will take this, my sin completely away from me. But there's no, there's no instant godliness here. When I was a young Christian, I, I began to pray this prayer shortly after I became a Christian, and it was this. It was, God, make me into the man that you want me to be. I don't know why. No, I don't remember any. God, make me into the man that you want me to be. Guess what? I'm still praying, <laughs> God, make me into the man that you want me to be. Because God's not done. God is not done. Now, God, David was anointed as, as king in his teens, and we know that his faith was strong at the time. He, he goes out and slays Goliath. Saul kills his thousands, and, and David kills his ten thousands. David trusts in the Lord, but it's probably some 15 years later. 
15 years after being anointed king that he actually sits on the throne. He had to wait. He had to wait because God was, was conforming him into the, into the man that he wanted him to be, to be king over his people. James chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, trials build a character in us. They make us into the image of Christ. And so while God may not answer us in those trials, that doesn't mean He's absent and that He's not doing something. No, we find it hard, but that's how God, God works in the midst of trials, and we, we try to figure it out what God is doing, and it seems like God is so far away, but, but we, have to, we have to hold on to let God do His, His perfect work that we would, we would be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, because He hasn't forgotten you. And David knows that. That's why David turns, and to our second point, David t- turns to the Lord. Verse 3 says, consider and answer me. O Lord, my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Now, David's lament turns to a, to a direct engagement with his, the Lord, his God. He says, look, I know I've been going through this trial, but I'm not just going to continue to vent to you, Lord. I'm also going to turn to you, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray. And, and David is, is like a man on his, his knees. And, and brothers and sisters, I want to say this. It, if during your trials you don't pray, it can only mean one of two things. Either one, you, you don't know the Lord. If during your trials you, you don't pray, it's, it's one of two. Either you don't know the Lord or you don't trust Him. Look, I've been waiting I've been waiting. I've been waiting. But if we don't turn to the Lord, we start, is it because we're starting to doubt His goodness towards us? No, we, we trust Him, and so we turn to Him, and we call out to Him, even in our waiting. Because that's what, what faith really is. Faith is, faith is not just in, during the good times. When things are going really well, oh, it's easy to believe in you, Lord. I see your hand every day. No, faith is the assurance of things unseen. David was on his knees, and he's praying because his refuge is in God, his Savior. This is why I think so many Christians don't mature, is because when God seems distant, what they do is they just shrug their shoulders, oh, wait, this is just the way it is. Because, you know, even if God doesn't answer our prayer the way we want Him to, He can at least answer our prayer that we would have patience, that we would be joyful in the midst of the trial. But sometimes I think our prayers are very myopic. I want this, and if it's not this, then I'm not going to be happy. But God, God is doing much more than we ever ask or imagine. I mean, He can, he can do whatever He wants, and His, his will is good and, and pleasing and perfect. Many people don't go to the Lord because they trust in themselves. David didn't do that. When God seemed distant, he, 
He called to the Lord his God. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Consider and answer me. Now, it wasn't wrong for David to declare his anguish in those first couple of verses because that's the reality of life. Brothers and sisters, if you're going through it, it's not wrong to say, Lord, I'm going through it. I've been waiting a long time for this. I'm praying for this loved one. I'm, I'm praying for my spouse. I'm praying for my children. God, you haven't answered me yet. And, and it's okay to say, God, I, I don't understand. But, but if we just stay there and it, it just becomes complaining, that's not good enough. The thing that is good is to come back to the Lord and say, God, I'm aware of, of your presence and I need you to answer this and I need you to help me because right now I, I need you to light up my eyes lest I, I sleep the sleep of death because the thing that I'm going through is, is horrible and I, I, don't, I can't seem to get out of it. Now, David had an awareness that God was, was with him David was fearing for his life, and to have dim eyes was a sign that a person was, was coming to the end of their life. And so David asked that his eyes be, uh, to light up his eyes, that he would restore the life. Because you know what happens with, with not getting the answer to prayer? We can become what? Depressed. It can sap the life out of us. Anxiety and stress can just simply sap the light out the life out of us. And, and so we have to, to come to him and, God, restore. Restore me. Light up, light up my eyes. And again, for you not to bring your, your trials to God, another thing it does is it says that you think that these trials that you're going through are, are not important to him. You know, everything in your life, everything in your life is important to him. Everything in your life is important to him. And one of the things we, we will often say is that our lives should not be divided into the sacred and the secular. Because why? We're, we're, we're to do everything to what? To the glory of God. Whether it's our work or our family or church, we're to do everything for the glory of God. And brothers and sisters, if we're Christians, then then God is the one who is the final one that we must go to. He's the, he's the final ref, reference for, for all of life. And we do all for the, for the glory of God. And just as our lives should not be d- divided in that way, uh, the secular and the sacred, we shouldn't d- divide our prayers. I can only bring these kind of prayers to the Lord, but not these kind. I, I, I'm okay with asking God this, but I'm ashamed of this, and so I'm not... I'm not going to talk to him about it. No, bring it all. Be honest with the Lord. Hebrews says that we should draw near to God with what? A sincere or truthful heart. God doesn't want us to to put on a facade to make us look better. God knows better. He knows who you really are, and he knows what you're really going through. Shouldn't we just assent to him and say, God, you know this. You know, know where I'm at. I mean, just look at, look at this psalm again. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 again. You just hear this cry in, in David's heart. How long, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I t- 
Take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and, and answer me, O Lord my God. A prayer like that would be freeing, wouldn't it? As we come to God and as we move ourselves from, from our circumstances, we look at our circumstances that, that we come and we say, consider and answer me, O Lord my God. You know, that going through that process makes us uh, rely on Him. You know, just listen to, to the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the, Corinthian, the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 6 through 10, because, because Paul, we know that he had, he had gone through so many trials in his life. And those trials were often at the point of death. But he says this to the Corinthians, he says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Obviously, they had, this was a trial that was hard for Paul, and he wanted the Corinthians to know about it. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despised of life itself. We wanted to die. Living in this condition was, was horrible. I, I, I want to die. In, he goes on, he says, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But listen to what he says. He says, But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. When you are going through that deepest trial, and you call out to God, God, I'm, I'm in despair. But you turn your heart, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to trust in you because you are a God who is powerful enough to raise the dead. Paul goes on, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Paul is, is so much like David. David. David turns from his trouble, and then he turns to his trust. And we see that. And our third point, David trusts, David's trust in the Lord, verses 5 and 6. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And then what does he do? He ends with, with praise. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You know, in spite of everything in, in David's life, all these trials, nothing's changed for him. The only thing that is, has changed for David in this point is his orientation, I'm looking at my trials, I'm looking at, at this, nothing is changing, and now David calls out to the Lord, and he remembers. He remembers what God has done, what God has done in his past, and, and that, that assurance gives him hope for the future. You know, all these trials remain, but one thing is, is always sure, and that's that that God is where his hope lies. God is his ever-present help in his time of need. And it reminds me of the, uh, of the boy's father in Mark chapter 9 where the man comes to Jesus and he says, he says to him, he says, you know, my son is, is sick and I asked your, your disciples if they could heal, heal him. And, and David, I mean, Jesus responds and he says, Oh, ye of little faith. He says that to his disciples, but to the man he says, 
Do you believe? Do you believe? We all know the man's response, don't we? Yes, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Isn't that the way we are? There's times that, that we believe, but we need, we need God's help. We need him to help us with our unbelief. We need him to remind us of those things in our life where, lives where he's been faithful. We, we need to be reminded of his steadfast love. And this confidence that, that David has in this passage is, isn't, isn't just wishful thinking. It's, it's God's character, and it's founded on, on the actions of what, what God has done. Back in verse 6 of our passage, I, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Brothers and sisters, let not our lives be compartmentalized where today we look at today alone. We need to look back at everything that God has done and be reminded. Remember, as the Israelites left Egypt, they set up pillars, memorials to remind them of the works that God has done. We need to do the same thing so that we're, when we're in that, that difficulty, we remember, God, I know you've been faithful. I know that you've been faithful. David's, David's focus had changed, but it didn't, it didn't happen accidentally. Look at verse 5. He says, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. David makes a choice. He makes a choice to, to trust in God's steadfast love, and he he chose not to look at his circumstances anymore, but to look at God and, and what he had done. And we know that Satan would like to, to get us to doubt God's love for us. He'd like to tempt us to, to think that, that God's word is not true. But we need to be reminded that he causes what? All things to work together for the good of those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose. And with Joseph, we, we remember that in, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where Joseph, Joseph is speaking to his brothers, and he says to them, what God, I mean, what God, what you meant for evil, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, to save many people alive. See, in the midst of our trials, God has a bigger plan, and we can trust him. But often we are too proud to admit our need and or we believe in some way that we have to earn God's love. Brothers and sisters, you cannot earn God's love. God's love was demonstrated for us who are believers in Christ on a cross. God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's how we know God's, God's love for us. You know, the, the truth is, is our lives are going to have trials. We're going to get blown here and there and everywhere. But God's love remains the same. There's a story about Charles Spurgeon that he was walking on an English countryside with a friend and he noticed a barn with a weather vane. At the top of the vane were the words, God is love. Spurgeon remarked to his friend that this was an inappropriate place for, for such for such a message because weather vanes are, are changeable but, but God's love is constant 
But Spurgeon's friend disagreed. You misunderstood the meaning, he said. That weather vane is, is stating the truth that no matter which way the wind blows, God is love. Isn't that true? I mean, isn't that hopeful? No matter what you're going through, God is love. Psalm 103 verse 11 says, says this, for, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is, is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He remembers that we are dust. Now, you, you can count on him. You may have been going through things for a long time, but God is faithful. He is with you, and he will be with you to the very end of the age. But lastly, if you are distant from God, primarily because of your own sin, the answer is the same, isn't it? If you don't know Christ, the answer is to call out to him. If you do know Christ and, you're, and, and sin has caused you to be distant from God, then call out to him. And because he has demonstrated that love on the cross. And when we do that, we will be like David who says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let me finish with this quote. A.W. Thurhold writes, the highest pinnacle of the spiritual life is not a happy joy in unbroken sunshine, but absolute and undoubting trust in the love of God. Even in our troubles, brothers and sisters, God's love can be trusted. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you and, Lord, we thank you for Psalm 13 that, that was penned by your servant David. Lord, we thank you for its truthfulness about the things of life and that, that Lord, we, in the midst of our darkness, can turn to you to, to give light to our eyes. Lord, that we might find hope and trust in you because you have dealt bountifully with us. In your son's name we pray, amen.